Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Stonebrook Pastors Question and Answer Podcast. Lord willing, each week we will take a question you've asked and spend about 15 minutes responding to it. The questions might be about theology, the Christian life, or just a simple question about what's going on in the church and why. My name is Matt Harima. I'm one of the pastors at Stonebrook Community Church, and this week I'm sitting down with pastors Brad and Dave to discuss pastors and elders. What are they, and how do you become one? I hope this is helpful. All right, guys, the topic for today is biblical eldership. What do we mean when we say a man is an elder? And what is the role of a pastor? Are those two different? How are they related? How do we do pastoring and eldering at Stonebrook? How do you become a pastor and what do they do? Who wants the first crack? I'll start with what they do. I think that's maybe more important. Um, I think the for our understanding of the scriptures, and I, many would agree with this, although many denominations would have different wording, different titles, different categories, we would hold elders, pastors, and bishops or overseers to be the same individual. Mm-hmm. And several passages, First Peter 5 would point to that using all three words there in that passage. And the word pastor actually just means shepherd, which God often calls his people sheep. They're his flock. And so we are to shepherd the flock of God, like First Peter tells us. So and um, so that's one of the roles is we're to care for the sheep. And one way we care for the sheep, maybe one of the bigger ways, certainly love and, and care in that way, but actually even with the word of God, they're being charged uh, to manage the word of God, to oversee it, to preach it, to guard false against false doctrine, to preach what is true. So those would be a couple of the to-dos, caring for the people, managing the people, overseeing the people, as well as then guarding and speaking the truth, both to believers and unbelievers. So that's my summary of what they, what they are, what they do, at least a very short summary. Sounds like you've given that a lot of thought. You wrapped it up very nicely. This is a short episode today. Thank you for joining us. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, what do you I think? think of, yeah, I think of uh, Ezekiel 34 as an interesting passage because there God is talking to the shepherds of Israel about what they hadn't done to take care of the people of Israel. Ah. And he gives five things that they hadn't done. Uh, They hadn't fed and watered the sheep. They didn't lead and guide them or protect them from dangerous animals. They didn't tend to the sick and injured and weak. And they didn't judge between the sheep so that the sheep were, you know, jostling and butting and, uh, you know, not being nice to each other. So I I think those are five... uh, um, yeah, really good things. And I, it's interesting that, you know, when you think of feeding and watering the sheep, a lot of times a shepherd would do that, everybody together. Um, and that's often the way it is for Christian shepherds or pastors is through public teaching or through large meetings, uh, just guide, uh, just lead the, lead the sheep that way, feed them and water them, but then also leading and guiding. But you can also do that individually. If a sheep goes astray, the shepherd goes after them. That's a way of guiding. And then protecting from dangerous animals. You have a basic protection there. But also you might have to snatch one out of an animal's you know, mouth. Tending the sick and injured, that would be a little more individual oriented. Probably more like counseling that a pastor would do. 
And then judging between the sheep, I think I find that to be one of the hardest ones as a pastor is, is resolving conflict. It can be very difficult, but it's something that pastors are, are to do to keep uh, unity in the body. This is, this is really fun to listen to. I'm just going to pause for reflection for a second, listening to two men talk about this. Dave has been doing this work longer than I've been alive. I like to give him a hard time about that, but it's really a glorious thing. And then Brad is 20 years down the road from me as well. And just listening to you guys know your work so well that you can just pop it off the top of your head like this is encouraging to me, a younger pastor of kind of following in your footsteps. It's really good, guys. So uh, Acts 6, um, where the kind of the proto-deacons are chosen to serve, the the apostles say uh, that we need to be about the ministry of the word and prayer. And Dave, I think you summed that up quite quite nicely in what a shepherd does and how they care for the flock in terms of feeding them and caring for them with the word. And that's a big part of what we do as well. What other, what other passages come to mind for you guys or other aspects of being a shepherd? Another thing I think about is I think an elder, a pastor needs to be a model, an example. And that's the way we lead primarily. It's not just by teaching and talking, but it's by modeling. And so I think that's one reason that you have the pretty much all the character qualifications in Titus, uh, Titus 1 and 1 Timothy uh, 3. They all tend to be about character qualifications. It does talk about being able to teach. But mostly it's to be able to model because people will, like they say, they'll, they'll do what you do rather than what you say. And um, so I, that's a, and I think even the word elder talks about that. Someone who's more mature, farther along in the faith, someone that can be a model to others. Well, in 1 Timothy 3, we talk about the importance of character, which would fit exactly what you're saying, David. The emphasis there, it's not exclusive, but the predominant emphasis in 1 Timothy 3 and in Titus chapter 1 is they need to be men of character. And I don't think those are exhaustive lists of character qualities, but they sure give an idea of that the elder needs to be an example. He certainly won't be perfect. He'll have some strengths much greater than others, but he does need to be that example because of what we're calling people to. Uh, it's very hard to call people to something when I'm not doing it or I'm unwilling to do it. Uh, it's, and so even when I teach, I have to be careful to make sure that I'm striving to be as much of an example as I can be. And if I don't think I'm at it to the level I want to be, admitting that and being humble about that so I'm not hypocritical. Hypoc hypocrisy comes in when you're asking people to do things that you're unwilling to do yourself. Mm. And so that's, that's a personal challenge for me is, is the, that area of hypocrisy is uh, not wanting to get to that point. You know, there's the, the hypocrisy thing. It seems that one thing we need to also be willing to set the model and the example in is repentance, which is mm -hmm. how we can not be a hypocrite because we're going to sin. We're not lifted up as perfect men. We're, we're lifted up as examples to the flock. And one of the things we are uh, setting an example in may be repentance. And I'm taking that page from parenting as well. One of the biggest ways you can be a model of the faith to your children is repent and, and teach them how to do that by modeling that for them as well. You guys mentioned uh, the necessity of character. I want to come back to how do you become an elder or a pastor here in a minute. But before that, I also wanted to go back to that those verses in Timothy where Paul exhorts Timothy to not let 
anyone look down on him for his youth, but to set an example for them in these areas. So it seems like there is an aspect of age and wisdom that that is required in terms of being an elder. In fact, the word elder really just means older man, you know, um, and but I've taken heart from that passage as well. And, and I think younger men listening could as well. It, the example in the character is the relevant piece. And so setting that example. So how do you, how do you put aside? Um, I've had to learn this the hard way. How do you put aside the criticisms against your youth? Well, the answer is by being a good example in the faith and with righteousness and patience and virtue and all of those things. Um, how, so we talked about, you guys touched on this already. Um, I've been asked the question. Um, so how do you become a pastor? Do you have to go to school? Do you go to seminary? Is that how you become a pastor? But we would say that character is more primary than those things. What do you guys think about development, uh, developing into a pastor or developing pastors? What, how, how would we, uh, talk about that? How did you guys become pastors? Maybe would be one question too. Yeah, well, the main thing I can speak from is our own experience here. I know how some yeah. churches do it, and they do require, some churches require seminary degrees, not all. Yep. Um, but the way we've done it is train our uh, pastors within uh, theological classes. We've had GCLI, a, a program put out by our former association, Great Commission Churches. We've got build classes uh, that uh, have been basically seminary-level classes that have been very helpful. And then just mentoring and day-to-day, -day, and then day-to-day -day growth that happens in a man's job, in a man's home, home being one of the bigger tests. And so there's a way as we grow up in the faith, and then elders uh, get to know that that brother and build into him personally, and and then even in, in groups. And, and so that's how we've done it, is looking at men who are growing in godliness, growing in effectiveness, growing in the Word of God, caring for people, uh, just with a general lifestyle of of care and, and godliness and uh, watching over their families. That's a big part of that. They must manage their own households well, First Timothy says. So, so a lot of that's just, and, and we're raising our pastors up within. So it's a it really, we have a huge advantage because we know these men. They're not coming in from the outside and we're re reading a resume and have to get a few references. We know these men. Uh, we've worked with them. At least one or two of us have worked with these men a lot. Uh, we know their wives. We know their children. We know their homes. We we know how they conduct life. We know generally as much as you can know a man's honesty, his integrity, all those kinds of things. So that's been a big part of it is just that ongoing life with one another that I think has been a very, very helpful uh, aspect for us at Stonebrook. When, when I meet new people and they ask, how long have you been a pastor at Stonebrook? My answer is something like, well, I've been at Stonebrook since about 1999, 2000, somewhere in there. And I was ordained in 2000. 13. So I was around 13, 14 years before becoming an elder. And then they look at me like, what is going on? So, um, but it's because of that ongoing in-house training sort of thing. Um, and it just took 13 years, 14 years to, to get me there. So, <laughs> it's, it's I think one verse I, I really like is the next 20. It says, uh, the, among whom the Holy Spirit has made you elders. Mm. And so it's the work of God to develop character and maturity and Christ-likeness. But I do think we, we've, um, we put a lot of emphasis on um, the way Jesus did it. And, you know, if you were going to try to develop some men to lead the Christian uh, movement for after you were gone, if you were Jesus, how would you do it? And uh, he did it really by probably what was there uh, most 
kind of a discipleship method. It was, I think in Mark, it says that he had them with him and he sent them out to preach. And so while they were with him, they, they observed, they watched by example. And, uh, and then they tried some things themselves. He gave them some, um, um, you know, responsibilities. So there's a book I think that's imprinted as pretty deeply called The Master Plan of Evangelism. And uh, talks about Jesus' example, how he trained his men. And so we try to follow that. It's a little different because Jesus was full-time. His men were full-time during the three years of his ministry. We don't have that advantage, but we try to follow as many of those principles as we can um, as we're raising up leaders. That's good. Master Plan of Evangelism, as you were saying that, I was going to recommend that book as well as one other, Biblical Eldership by Alexander Strauch, has been very helpful to us over the years. And he has a training program now, biblicaleldership.com. This is not a commercial, but just saying, if you want to know kind of how we think about this, there's some more deeper resources of things that impact us there. Turning the corner, guys, bring it to a close here. Um, I wanted to comment on one thing. Uh, Jesus being the good shepherd, because the reality is uh, elders are also sheep. So the analogy um, kind of breaks and bends in interesting ways there. Um, talk about that for, for a bit. The, there's some comfort that comes from knowing uh, the shepherds have a shepherd to whom they're responsible. I think it says in Second uh, First Peter 5 that uh, we are under shepherds. Yeah. And he is the, the chief shepherd. And I read uh, a while back a book called Dangerous Calling. It talked about how being a pastor, a leader, can really be dangerous. And one of the things that's the most dangerous is that you can be on a pedestal and not be amongst the sheep. And so I think it's very important for pastors to um, have people that they're vulnerable, they're open with, who know their lives very well. Um, just because otherwise you can get in pretty big trouble uh, if you're just on a pedestal and beyond accountability or whatever, we, we should also be accountable because we're also sheep, like you said. On the other side of that, real quick, I find great comfort in that, knowing that ultimately Jesus is in charge. And that's humbling for me to make sure I'm listening to the voice of the chief shepherd, but it's also comforting to know that, okay, ultimately the sheep belong to God, not to me. And whether I screw up or whether I just don't have wisdom enough to really know or just whatever, in the end, the Lord is in charge. They're his people, and he is going to watch over us all. So important, too, uh, because the scripture says that we will be judged with a stricter judgment. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, a, that's a very sobering um, sobering uh, reminder every time you stand up to preach <laughs> that, that you're going to be judged with a stricter judgment. And one... Uh, for pastors, one of the most beautiful aspects of being an under-shepherd is that on Judgment Day, for those who are in Christ, the judgment is not going to be all of the bad sermons that you preached or all of the mishandled counseling sessions. The judgment is going to be, well done, good and faithful servant, because of Jesus, not because of us. And that's just a beautiful, comforting sort of thing as we, you know... Uh, I've been at this only seven, eight years now, but starting to rack up failures and it's, it's tempting to look at those and, and be super discouraged in ministry. Uh, and certainly we should learn from them and grow from them and repent and change and all of those things. But at the end of the day, we don't have to despair. 
It's really good. Okay. So a pastor is an elder. Elders are to pastor is kind of the, one is the office. The other is the job description. Uh, Jesus is sheep, just kind of summarizing here. And uh, the work is primarily word and prayer, ministry, ministering, feeding the sheep, uh, the word of God and counseling with them. Even that's part of the word of God. Um, uh, reconciliation work that Dave, you talked about even there is calling people back to uh, faith in the word and faith in Christ to follow the good shepherd. How are we trained? We're trained um, through life, through being a Christian man. You look at the character qualities in first Timothy, they're essentially things that are required of every Christian uh, with one exception. And that is the ability to teach. Um, but so it's, it's not anything new or, or weird or different. Um, there are schools like seminaries and we have benefited from some of their classes, but that's just because there's a lot to, there's a lot of Christian history to talk about a lot of mistakes that have been made that we can learn from. And that's why classes are hard, but, um, but ultimately guys, at the end of the day, it's a work of the Holy spirit. Dave, thanks for bringing that up too. Uh, final words here. Otherwise we'll sign off. Good stuff, guys. Thanks again for your input. This is always fun being with you and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Stonebrook Pastors Question and Answer Podcast. If you have a question you'd like to hear answered, email us at ask at stonebrook.org. We'll see you Sunday.